Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 55 of the Fly Route Podcast. I am your host, Anthony, a.k.a. Tony Playboy, a.k.a. Vic Fangio's Blood Pressure Medicine, a.k.a. Urban Meyer Sensitivity Trainer, and I have an exciting show for you today. Look, you already may have noticed that the episodes are starting to get a little bit shorter. The tempo is picking up, and that is on purpose. So let me know what you think. Hit me up at the Fly Route Pod on all social media platforms, and let's get into business. Today, I am going to start with the tea off where I spilled some tea on Urban Meyer and another fiasco that he has somehow found himself into. I am going to give you my fly five picks for week five of the NFL season. I am going to get into the top 10 teams in the NFL so far. And last, but definitely not least, I am going to give a big, big, big ballers bouquet to Von Miller of the Denver Broncos. The, 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 the fly route pod. The fly route pod. The fly route pod. The fly route pod. Welcome to the tea off. Oh, spill that tea, sis. This is how I like to start the show off. I like to spill some tea on our favorite athletes and some of the crazy situations they get into. But we got to talk about a coach today. All right, Urban Meyer, and man, Urban Meyer with the two-finger stinker. If y'all haven't heard about this, which I hope you have, because I don't want to rehash all of it, but Urban Meyer is again in hot water after, and this is might be the most interesting part of this issue, the most problematic part of this issue, and probably the least covered part of this issue, is that Urban Meyer after going 0-4 and losing last Thursday's game to the Cincinnati Bengals, decided to not fly back with the team to go back to Jacksonville and instead stay in Ohio, go back down to his old stopping grounds in Ohio State, and get his party on. Now, the reason why this is hot is because Urban Meyer then gets filmed at a bar with a college student, looks college age to me, uh, who's not his wife, obviously, because Urban Meyer's like 57. And, of course, he's she's grinding on him, dancing around. And some genius journalistic mind decided to make sure that we got a second angle of this lap dance, if you want to call it that, where uh, people see Urban kind of... And this is the weirdest part for me because it's not like homegirls wearing a dress. So, like, Urban's actually sticking his fingers anywhere which is very important here. But through homegirl's jeans, Urban Meyer decides to, you know, give her the old two-finger poke uh, where the sun don't shine. And I was shocked. Uh, Everybody was shocked. That was interesting, to say the least. And if y'all have been paying attention to Urban Meyer, he basically has not been able to do anything right. He started off with hiring Chris Doyle, who came from Iowa State, who was fired for making racially insensitive remarks and just creating a unsuitable environment for the team members hires him as a strength and conditioning coach creates a whole bunch of buzz and controversy that guy has to step down urban meyer then also gives tebow a chance at the nfl creates a whole nother distraction that lasts a very long time tebow never makes the team and now urban meyer if we were playing baseball third time strike you're out but luckily that's not what's going on here he does this and ESPN employees, particularly Dan Orlovsky and Marcus Spears, were 
very into the baseball analogy. They were like, guaranteed Urban Meyer has to go the Monday after this kind of popped. And I was a little shocked by that take. It was aggressive because Urban Meyer didn't do anything crazy. Like getting caught at the bar with a girl that's not his wife is obviously embarrassing, a distraction the team definitely does not need. But an offense that's worth firing somebody for? No, I definitely don't see it there. And a lot of people were reaching heavy on Urban Meyer. And this is the funny thing, because the part that I really want to focus on and the closest thing to a fireable offense here is him not flying back with the team, even though he cleared that with Sean Khan ahead of time. Now, it's very interesting because a lot of people have kind of weighed in on this part of it. The not flying back with the team part, because that's something that's uniquely important. And Mike Lombardi, who is an NFL executive, has been in the league for a long time, was on the Pat McAfee show. And he said in 35 years, working with the 49ers, the Browns, the Eagles, the Raiders, the Patriots, etc. He has never, ever been on a team plane where the coach was not also on there coming back with them. Now, the thing that I think is going to be the largest ramification that continues from this whole fiasco is definitely the way that Urban tried to clean up this mess with players and just the organization afterwards. In particular, players were very, very vocal with like reporters, etc., about how Urban did not address the team when he first came back. And that was a particularly interesting way to deal with this. Apparently, he canceled the team-wide meeting. And the players, which is very important here, felt that he was afraid to confront them, own up to his mistakes, etc. Instead, he met with position groups individually and then just lied to their faces and was like, homegirl was just random and she was just dancing there. And I got no idea what really happened. You know how many of them players probably saw that alternative footage, Urban? With yes, sticking the fingers where the sun don't shine. Really? Apparently, as soon as he left with those lies, everybody couldn't stop laughing. And this is going to be interesting because it's hard for a coach to kind of command respect, get guys to buy in when players can't trust them, players don't believe in them, and players don't respect them. And I think Urban has lost the respect of this locker room, not for getting in this situation, because in Interestingly enough, a lot of NFL players have found themselves in this situation, have tried to avoid this situation, etc. They get the situation, Urban Meyer. And it's because they get the situation that you lying to them is so absurd. It's like, really? And it, it's funny because he's also the person that always preaches for them to not be in those situations as a coach. And this is just something that I want to keep an eye on going forward, right? How do the Jacksonville Jaguars continue to deal with Urban if the losing continues, if he can't get the team to buy in? I mean, it's not like they were good before. They lost their last 19 games straight, and he's only been the coach for four of them. But this is something to keep our eyes on, definitely. And that was your tee-off. Ooh, 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 ooh. Spit that tea, ooh. sis. Spit that tea, ooh. sis. Dallas Tony Playboy. All right, all right. Let's get into the Fly Five Picks brought to you by Pick'em Wars. Look, 
Last week was a very good week for me. I went four and one, only dropping the Bucks covering the Patriots, even though the Bucks still won that game. So I hope you followed on. You made a little bit of money. And I got some dogs going last week with the Cardinals over the Rams. A lot of people didn't see that one coming. And I've been telling people not to sleep on that team. So that was our best week so far. And I think we're going to keep it going. Now I got to talk to you about our sponsors, Picklemores, before we get into the picks. They gave out hundreds of dollars this weekend and it's free to play. You check them out. The link is in the description of this episode, pickemores.com slash fly. It's free to play. The You pick the winners of a host of different sporting events. The players with the most correct picks win cash prizes each week. And that's literally it. The pick is yours. Pick them wars. Now, look, let's get right, right, right into the fly five picks. What it is? Packers versus Bengals. I am taking the Packers to cover minus three and a half. The Bengals are at home, but I like the Packers, who are a much better team with a lot more experience winning close games. Minus three and a half. She's like way too good of a line to pass up for the Packers. On paper, this matchup looks like it should be a close game. I think the Packers can cover with such a small line. Aaron Rodgers will win the game. He's done it so many times before and broken so many hearts. Let's move on to my next pick. Eagles versus the Panthers. Eagles versus the Panthers. I have the Panthers minus four. The Panthers are favored four at home, and that definitely makes me very confident in such a small spread. The Eagles give up the 24th most points in the NFL, and the Panthers score their 13th most. I don't think the Eagles will be able to stop the Panthers. And most importantly, I do not think the Eagles can handle the Panthers' pass rush. They are second in the league in sacks. It's going to be an easy bet for me. This might be my safest bet of the week. The last three Eagles opponents have covered the spread, and we are in week five. So let's move on to the next pick. Browns versus the Chargers, and for me, this is very close to my game of the week, but it gets edged out by my last pick. I am taking the Chargers plus one, and this is, well, honestly, the Chargers have just looked great. The Chargers have looked in control of most of their games. They have beaten very good opponents, knocking off the Chiefs, with which, which mind you be, the Browns were not able to do, also knocking off the undefeated Raiders. I just think that Right now, the Chargers defense will give Baker Mayfield some trouble. They have the front on the defensive end to not get demolished by the run here. And I think this game is going to be very in the trenches, very low scoring possibly. But I am rolling with the Chargers as the Chargers are rolling through the league. Let's keep it going. Number four here, and this one's the 49ers versus the Cardinals. I am taking the Cardinals minus 5.5. I've been riding the Cardinals over for almost the entire season here. Look, Kyler Murray is an MVP. I am enamored with how good this team has played right now. And Carter's by a touchdown over the 49ers does not sound difficult for me. The 49ers are going to have to start Trey Lance, who is a rookie in his very first NFL start ever because Jimmy Garoppolo was hurt. This Arizona defense has looked actually really, really good this year and actually looks top 10. I feel like they're going to give a rookie quarterback a lot of trouble. People like Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt coming after him all game long. 
and Kyler Murray on the other side looking like a runaway MVP candidate. I do not think the 49ers can handle this. Cardinals minus five and a half. Now, last game, last game here, and this is my game of the week. Bills versus the Chiefs. I am taking the Chiefs minus two and a half. A lot of people have been complaining about the Chiefs not covering their spreads. I told you to bet on the Chiefs spread last week, and it hit, and I think it'll hit again. Basically, unless you think Buffalo is going to win this game, this spread is small enough to feel very confident taking the Chiefs. Two high-powered offenses and two very susceptible defenses, even though Buffalo's defense has looked significantly better this year. I'm hoping for a high-scoring affair. If there was a game that you were going to take the over on for points, this is definitely it. The Bills have scored the second most points a game at 33 and a half, the sixth most yards, and the third best third down team. And I'm saying all of this, understanding that the Chiefs are crazy good and like top three in almost every total offensive stat in the league. The Bills have played the Steelers, the Dolphins, the Washington football team, and the Texans. They are three and one. And their opponents are a combined 5-11. and 11. They lost to one of those teams that are a total of 5-11. and 11. The Chiefs' last, ten, like, last four opponents are 10-6. and six. That is really important because the Chiefs are actually playing significantly better teams than the Bills. The Bills are really going to have something to prove here. And it's going to be hard for me to not take the Chiefs in this matchup. Now, the last game I want to talk to you about, and this one I think is a trap game that I want to just tell people to be wary of, and that is the Broncos versus the Steelers game. The line right now is one and a half either way, and here's what I will tell you. Do not bet this game until you know who is going to be the quarterback of the Broncos. If Teddy Bridgewater plays this game, take the Broncos plus one and a half immediately before the sports books can adjust. But if he does not, the Steelers will definitely win as a dog, especially being at home against the Broncos. Another one, keep in mind here, I'm taking the Bears minus five this week, but I'm not putting it on my five fly picks because, you know, a little bit of Chicago bias I got going on here, but they got Justin Fields starting. The line is five. I like us for that line. And I'm interested to see how the Raiders bounce back from a tough week and deal with adversity. The fly route pod, the fly route pod, the fly route pod, the fly route pod. All right, let's get into the top 10 teams in the NFL so far. We are just about a fourth of the way through the NFL season. So I think that's a good point in time that, you know, we can check in, create some power rankings that aren't as fluid as other people's rankings may be. So I'm going to start with my number 11, my honorable mention. I'm not going to say too much about this team, but that's the Green Bay Packers. And I have them at 11 because they have really rebounded after that early loss to the Saints and have been beating teams, even though those teams do not all look particularly great, like the Lions were in there. Now, let's start at number 10, because that's where things get interesting. I have as my number 10 team, the Las Vegas Raiders. I got to see how they handle adversity. Like I said earlier, a whole season of success is just not something that I've been willing to pair the Raiders and John Gruden with so far. Remember last year, they were 6-3 and in week 10, and they ended up losing five of their last six or seven games and just collapsing. And that is something that 
I'm a little wary of, and that leaves the Raiders at 10 on my list. Number nine. Number nine is the Kansas City Chiefs. They are number two in points, first in points per play. And honestly, let me just save you a lot of the time here. They're basically top two in almost all total offensive stats. We know this team can be the best offensive team in the league. However, they could also be the worst defensive team in the league. And they are going to have to tighten up to get back up on this list. Even though... They are 2-2 right now, and I had them above a 3-1 team because they've lost to some very good teams in the Ravens and their Chargers. Now, let's go to number eight. And number eight, I have the Dallas Cowboys. What can I say? The Cowboys have been good so far. They are fourth in points per game, third and third down conversion rate. Zeke is playing well, and Dak has picked back up where he left off last year. And those are not the biggest contributions to the change of this team. It is Dan Quinn and this defense. They are worlds better. They're at the top half of the league now in points per game, third down conversion rate, second in takeaways a game, and they have the best turnover ratio in the league. Dallas has a good defense, a good defense borderlining on great, depending on how they develop as the season goes on. And that puts them at number eight for me. Number seven. And number seven, I have a lot lower than a lot of people, and I actually think I might be a little high on them. Number seven is the Buffalo Bills. This team is overhyped. Their opponents are a combined 5-11, and 4-12, and 12, something like that. They haven't played a single good, healthy team all season. And they lost to one of those teams. This week against the Chiefs is going to be really telling for me. Josh Allen doesn't look as good as he looked last year so far, but their run game has been significantly better. And I don't know if Zach Moss and Devil Singletary have really figured it out behind the offensive line there, or this is just actually a product of their very, very poor competition so far. So these numbers might be numbers that lie to us right now, and I'm not willing to push the Bills over number seven. And number six for me is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This team is out of the top five because they struggled with the Pats, who have not been all that great this year and got clowned by a team like the Saints who I don't think are particularly good, and then they lost to the Chargers. This is a secondary that's having a lot of issues right now, and it was the, the weakest part of their overall team, not just their defense, their overall team coming into the season. I, I'm a little afraid about how this defense is going to deal with things, especially if they're not able to get to the quarterback. This offense is close to top five right now and top three when they're healthy, but they're missing Gronk, and that's going to be a pretty big blow for them. The best part about this team is that you cannot run the ball on them and they can put up a lot of points. I really like Tampa Bay and them being at six right now is not a knock because the top five teams are all really good. Now, let's go with number five. And at number five, I have the Cleveland Browns. There are two things that almost always can win games. Great defense and being able to run the ball. Great defense stops the other team from scoring points and being able to run the ball controls the clock. It keeps the other teams off the field. Cleveland has both of these. So even though Baker has been struggling a bit as of late, I am not concerned about this Cleveland Browns team because of the way that they're oriented and set up. They run more than any other team in the league. They have more rushing yards, more rushing touchdowns. While having a top five run defense in yards, rushes per game, yards per rush, and rushing touchdowns. 
I think this team is only going to get better from here on now as that defense gets more familiar with them, with each other. They actually overturned that back half of that defense this offseason and then added some stars like Jadavian Clowney up front. OBJ and Baker definitely have some chemistry issues. It is something to be on the lookout for. Hopefully that gets better because of the talent that OBJ is. But when Jarvis Landry comes back, I expect Baker Mayfield's numbers to kind of move back up to where you expected them to be in. So number four, number four for me is the LA Chargers. And I have their Chargers here, even though none of the numbers for this team really jump out the page like a lot of the other teams do. However, this team is kind of like a jack of all trades, master of none. They have a great pass offense. They have a good run offense. They have a great defense. The defense is top 10, maybe top 15. They're great on special teams. This team looks well-coached, well-prepared. They seem to be crushing the teams in their way and really trusting each other and playing very good football right now. So I have the Chargers at four. The Chargers haven't pressed so far and are living up to the hype that they got coming into this season, especially after getting the win against the undefeated Raiders last week. Number three, and for number three right now, I have the LA Rams. And number two and three were switching a lot for me before. And this team is three because they lost to a very good team, even though this team is very good. Matthew Stafford looks great, right? Daryl Henderson is back. He's healthy. Seems like a very good running back. Very good for that system. Their defense is playing lights out. It's very opportunistic with players like Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. And I've given you a lot of names. The problem is the depth behind those names. Daryl Henderson was out. Sonny Michelle was barely able to really get things going in the run game for them suffered. If Jalen Ramsey or Aaron Donald goes down, which I hope they don't, their defense will take a huge tank. They do not have a lot of depth on this team. Instead, they're shelling out money for a lot of high price players. And I do not know what happens in a 17-game season if people start to get nicked up and how they will be able to respond and keep up their level of play. That brings me to the number two team. And number two is the Baltimore Ravens. Why? Because, A, Lamar Jackson should be second in MVP voting for what he's doing with this team. Because, two... Unlike the Rams, the Baltimore Ravens have already suffered some of those injuries. Injuries on the O-line, injuries to basically all the front running backs, and to QI receivers that they drafted this year like Rashad Bateman. It doesn't matter, though, as the Ravens are still 3-1, and one, and Lamar keeps making it happen. This Ravens defense is good, but not as good as past years. It's actually outside the top 10 in points allowed right now, which is kind of shocking, for a John Harbaugh-led defense, but they also took some injuries on the defensive end and let go of some players this year. Regardless, this team looks to be dominant. Their run game looks to not really have taken that large of a hit, and Lamar looks like a much better passer of the ball, getting it deep, getting it outside, it being accurate, even though he's dealing with a lot of drops from receivers like Hollywood Brown. The Ravens are the number two team in the NFL for me, and I think people are really asleep on the power that this team has and the way that they have been playing. Now, the top team for me, and the top team for me, this is undisputed at this point, the only undefeated team in the NFL, the Arizona Cardinals. 
all hail King Kyler because he is right now the runaway MVP favorite. They are number one in yards per game and points per game right now. They are top three in points per play, yards per play, TDs a game, completion percentage, yards per pass. This is the league's best offense, not Kansas City. And that is just a fact by the numbers. And all that being said, this Cardinals team has a good defense. Their defense is middle of the pack right now. It has exploded in some weeks and just looked middling in others. But what we know is this team will not sit down on either side of the ball. They are really rolling. And it doesn't look like anybody is going to be able to stop them just yet. Those are my top 10 teams in the NFL. I want to know what you think about it. Let me know. Do you think I'm missing out on a team or I'm just way too high and out of my mind on one of these teams? Let us know in the comments. You can always reach out the flyroutepod at gmail.com. Gallistani Playboy. All right, welcome to the final segment of the show, the heart of the show, Ballers Bouquets. Too often in the media, people only want to focus on the negative and salacious things athletes do and never want to give them credit where credit is due. Here, I like to make a change. And this week's Ballers Bouquet goes to Von Miller of the Denver Broncos for his Von's Vision program that provides eyewear as well as eye care to underserved populations. So Vaughn's vision originally started in 2012, where the program was only focused in the Denver area. And they originally started just doing eye tests for just underserved communities who just did not even know that they needed glasses, did not have health insurance, et cetera, to go to an optometrist. Over the years, they started to expand the program and add other pieces to their program, such as Vaughn's lockers, in which after you were able to get an eye exam, and, you know, figure out if you needed glasses, what your prescription was, etc. You would be able to pick up frames, lenses, etc. from Von Miller and co. And he continued to expand this program and just make sure that he could continue to reach out to more and more people. This year, and this is really where I want to start with, Von Miller, who is a Texas A&M alum, partnered with the REACH Project to help Texas A&M University's essential employees and their children get eye care. And what they did was basically essential Aggies. So these people are like food services, ground maintenance, custodial, security, construction, etc. A lot of positions that are frequently outsourced by universities so they don't have to pay people benefits. They were able to help them and their kids get the eye care that they need. They provided screening to all the children of these essential Aggies between the ages of five to 17, and then we're able to get them glasses, et cetera, and frames. This is something that's near and dear to Von Mueller's heart and says that I care and having glasses is something that's always been very important to him since he was a kid. And it doesn't stop there, not just in Denver, not just in Texas, also in Minnesota. He would also gave over 100 low-income students in Minneapolis $50,000 worth of eye care services and eyewear. Throughout the years, he has helped countless kids 
through this program and it's been continuously expanding it, which is just admirable in and of itself. And that's why Von Miller gets this week's Ballers Bouquet. All right. Thank you for popping up with us for episode 55 of the Fly Route Podcast. As always, I want to say I appreciate each and every single one of you, wherever you're listening, whether it's Audia, Spotify, YouTube, Podchaser, Apple Music, etc. Even if you're just catching clips on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, all those views mean the world. I appreciate all the engagement and I cannot wait to bring you all episode 56 next week week.